In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we tried him 130. I think we scratched that itch. I think that's it. I think we're going to call it. All right, this morning I want to focus on the first reading that you heard, um, which is the reading that's known as the Witch of Endor. It's a great and fascinating reading, and I want to go ahead and tag that reading from Samuel um, as Halloween is actually a very Christian holiday. Halloween is actually a very Christian holiday. But to get there, let's unpack what's going on in the story of the Witch of Endor. You probably know a lot of this, but we're at church, so why not just kind of repeat the story? The story begins with Samuel's death. Now, Samuel was one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. There are two kinds of prophets. Prophets that have books named for them, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel. Then there's prophets that appear within the context of the narrative of Scripture. They call those the canonical prophets. And uh, Samuel is one of those, like Elijah and Elisha and, and Nathan. And in those times, the prophet was the means by which God communicated to God's people so that the people knew what they were to do through the words of the prophet and the ministry of the prophet. Now Saul is the first king of Israel, and he's shovel-jawed, and he's barrel-chested, and he looks the part. He's like a Disney prince version of a king. And things start off really, really well, but then Saul has a tragic failure. In battle with the Amalekites, one of the ancient enemies of the people of Israel, Saul forgets to wait for God, to listen to Samuel, and therefore doesn't listen to God. Doesn't listen to God's prophet, and therefore doesn't listen to God. And as a result of Saul's failure, the kingdom is taken from him. And on God's direction, Samuel anoints David, Saul's rival, to be the next king of Israel. And then Saul and David have fights and adventures and misadventures. It's all very much worth reading in 1 Samuel, until we find Saul in this chapter, a much diminished figure, whiny and paranoid, kind of like a biblical King Lear. In fact, you've got to imagine maybe that Shakespeare even was thinking about Saul in his diminished form when he wrote that, when he wrote that great character. So we're told in, the, in this passage that Saul drove the mediums and the wizards from the land. Now, medium is a modern word for witch. Let's just go witch. In fact, this is the only um, witch and ghost story actually in the, in the Old Testament, which is why we're reading it today. But we're told that Saul drove the witches and the wizards out of the land. Now, that's really interesting. It's really interesting because right there in Leviticus, hundreds of years before, the people were told, don't have any witches or wizards in the land which means that they imperfectly followed the law of God for centuries, you know, like, like you and I. And so Saul tries to start doing right and observing the law, so he drives the witches and wizards out of the land, but it's pathetic, right? Because it's a day late and it's a dollar short. And then even more pathetic, when the Philistines amassed their great army, Saul quakes in fear. And what does he do? He goes to consult a medium, never mind that he's just driven them out of the land to begin with. So the witch of Endor is in hiding. So Saul disguises himself, comically, from whom? I guess him, from himself, and from his reputational well-being. And he disguises himself, and that's where we get costumes for Halloween. Not actually, that's not where it comes from. But there's a connection. There is a connection there. Anyway, so Saul goes to the witch of Endor, and he asks the witch of Endor to bring up Samuel from Sheol. 
brings up Samuel from Sheol. Now, this is a long time ago, and people didn't conceive of the afterlife quite like we conceive of the afterlife. All went down to Sheol, good, bad, and indifferent, and the people who lived there weren't fully themselves. They were kind of like a shadowy version of themselves. They were kind of like a hologram version of themselves. So what comes up from Sheol in the form of Samuel is not properly Samuel, it's Samuel's shade or his shadow or his kind of spiritual hologram, and it's grumpy. Why did you disturb me? So the witch of Endor brings up Samuel, and Saul wishes to ask Samuel what he should do. Now, I hope you can get the, the, just the, the tragedy of that, the comic tragedy of it. Here is Saul, who didn't li- listen to Samuel in life, now seeks to listen to him in death. And then Samuel merely repeats the same thing that he had told him in life, including the bone-chilling statement, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me in Sheol. Which is true. The next day, Saul and his sons perish in battle with the Philistines, and David fully takes over the kingship. Now, at that point, something very interesting, and why we should read this story on Halloween. Halloween is the day where we actually confront some scary realities of life. Death, evil, spooks and scaries and things that go bump in the night. We actually confront those things. We think about them with the aid of candy and costumes. That's a hard thing to think about. We confront those things and we look at them and we examine them. And kind of like Saul, we're we're freaked out to a certain degree by them. But we're actually going on a journey that only starts with Halloween but culminates on All Saints Day. You see, on Halloween, we look into the the scary aspects of life, known and the unknown. And like Saul, we look into those things and we despair. And yet, we can't help but to recall that the resurrection to newness of life means that there is a great second chance for all of humanity that Saul didn't quite get at this moment. In fact, right here in this passage is a curious phrase. If you look at verse 13, the, the, the witch of Endor says, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. Well, it's just Saul, so how can this be a divine being? You can see in that the, the, the hunger and the desire for a word of grace to come from the dead, a word of goodness to come from the hereafter, and that word we know as Christians as the good news of the empty tomb, that he is risen. There's a great passage in the New Testament which answers the question of why did, what happened on the three days that Jesus was in the ground before he was raised? And what we're told is that he preached to the souls in Sheol. It's called the harrowing of hell. And you imagine Samuel and Saul down in Sheol, and Saul is hearing the word of grace that he'd hoped to hear from the witch of Endor, but actually hears ultimately when Christ preaches to him there, preaches him the word of grace. Halloween is about examining the scary aspects of life in preparation for the day that comes right after, which is All Saints Day. Because in the light of the gospel, in light of the redemption of newness to life, which is ours from the word that he has risen from the empty tomb, the future that awaits us is not the shady reality of Sheol, but the glorious company of the saints in light. For a moment, we examine life without the resurrection, if only to further appreciate the resurrection and to imagine our future, not the thirsty Sheol, but the life of ending praise of the new Jerusalem. In this way, Halloween is one of the most Christian holidays. It's a way, again, with the aid of candy and costume, of saying what St. Paul would say later, Death, where is thy sting? 
O grave, where is your victory? Even the most fearsome things can be mocked in the power of the gospel. There's another way it's a very Christian holiday. It's a very Christian holiday because it sends us out into the world, right? Seeking the hospitality of strangers, seeking the hospitality of those that we don't quite know. I have a very firm memory of we're trick-or-treating. Our oldest is three years old. We're in the midst of potty training. We did not think this through. We're going on a long lap. At this, at this point on, on Kerry Woods, we've lived and trick-or-treated in every neighborhood in Auburn. Um, on, on the, wide, the wide lap of, of Cary Drive, we have to go to the bathroom. We have to go to the bathroom immediately. Right, so I knock on somebody's door, and we say trick-or-treat, and then I say, oh, by the way, could we use your bathroom? These people seem a bit bewildered, but they were lovely. And they brought us into a shag-carpeted bathroom, our oldest and I, and we could not have been more grateful. But in a way, that's why I think Halloween is a deeply Christian holiday, because it makes us rely on, the, on, on neighborliness, connection, and love, and the hospitality of strangers. And then right here in this story, don't you see how Saul looks really bad, but the witch of Endor ends up looking really good? She offers hospitality to him. She actually takes care of him. Yeah, he's going to go die, but he's not going to die on an empty stomach, thanks to her. And oh, by the way, the fun and the frivolity of Halloween, anytime we have that kind of good stuff, there's a bit of a taste of heaven. I can't help but think whenever a fatted calf gets slaughtered, I can't help thinking about Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth, who is the lamb who was slain on our behalf. Jesus of Nazareth, who's the fatted calf in the prodigal son story. And I wonder, I wonder, is the fig figure of Jesus in this slaughtered fatted, fatted calf which is a Eucharistic meal for Saul to prepare him for his death to come and prepare him for what is to come, which is a foretaste for the heavenly banquet that is his on the other side of the new Jerusalem. So, beloved, have the most Christian Halloween you can possibly have today. Let us pray. Lord, like Saul, we look into things that frighten us, and we look into the great beyond and we hope for a word of guidance and a word of grace. Lord, thankfully, we have that word of guidance in the news of the empty tomb, in the goodness of the gospel, and in the abundance of your love. Lord, help us to be comforted by your words of love and grace this day and always. Amen.